0: Hello, how are you? <laughs> thanks, for sh- thanks for showing up and um, there you go. Thank you, sweetheart. And uh, <clears throat> here we are, here with we Joe are. Satriani, live at the Viper Room, <laughs> room on a Friday and uh, everything's groovy. How are you? Very good. You're not on the road? No. No, well, not really. You just finished your record. I did, yeah. Recently, that feels good. Feels shapeshifting. Good.
1: Shapeshifting. You can tell, right? Is it out? No, April tenth. I've almost got all the dates right. That's April tenth, right, Melissa? Yes. Yes. Thank you.
0: April tenth.
1: <laughs> yeah, they they move them around and and uh, but yeah, shapeshifting comes out April tenth. We have a single out, a video out, and uh, and here I am. I get to see you again after. 30 years, right?
0: I, I swore, could have swore it was in San Francisco, but you're saying it was somewhere in the Midwest?
1: Yeah, it was like Minneapolis or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, look at that, Minneapolis. Who said that? <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> but it was, um, what What is it? I had, I had a solo album, I think. You did. And and you probably um, had one I was out.
1: putting out uh, Flying in a Blue Dream. And uh, back then, there were these guys called record distributors, and they would uh, take the records that the record companies would press up, and they would stack them and distribute them in record stores. And there was something going on there that, was, that we didn't want to know about, but we had to show up and, and thank them for it, Yeah, <laughs> the business they were doing. And, uh, and, and, and it, it
0: funny, it seems like so medieval now, looking back the way things were done back then. Uh, like records, the, the whole hustle that you do, it's a completely different ballgame now.
1: Yeah, it is. In some ways, uh, it's great that the connection between us and the fans is more direct, mm-hmm. uh, social media, just the internet in general. Um, uh, but then, of course, the compensation model has just been turned upside down, and so that's really stressed out musicians in general all over the world. Um, and then there was just the the funny thing of doing those like those shows, those conventions, yeah. where we were fish out of water, but we were also the center of their business.
0: But what was we doing?
1: I think we, we would show up. Shaking hands? Shake hands, say thank you to everyone. And, uh, but the, the people we were thanking didn't look like you guys, like fans of music. Yeah. They didn't look like us. They were just people that we never see. They were the suits, the people that work in the...
0: Satin in the, jackets.
1: All that kind of stuff, and they were all very drunk.
0: Yeah, and, that's the worst. <laughs> when you're around them types who are drunk, yeah. it's, their big, it's their big party time. Yeah, it is, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's a nightmare. But, you
1: know, if they put your record, you know, the, the whole thing was the visibility back then, so you wanted yeah. to be in the rack, and there were these guys called rack jobbers, and it was a funny... Rack jobbers. Yeah, do you remember that term?
0: It sounds kind of sexual, right? (laughs) (laughs) Fluffers.
1: It should have been, but unfortunately it wasn't. It was just LPs and cardboard jackets and stuff like that. Putting them in the front of the
0: store and, you know. Oh, man, it sounds depressing, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I'm glad that's over. Me too.
0: (laughs) Me too. But um, where do you live? San Francisco You do live in San Francisco I do
1: That's why you're thinking I know I met you Yeah Warfield I'll Theater. tell you
0: where it was I was in a band called The Neurotic Outsiders With yeah. Duff Matt Sorum John Taylor And me oh. And you was in the You came in the dressing room Or something
1: Was it, uh, and it was in the, At the Warfield Yeah Were we playing you, that night With Slash
0: And a couple I think, of other guys I think so I think oh, Slash okay. was getting up And I think you did I did yeah
1: Yeah, I'll do. i tell you a funny story about that gig. Yeah. Besides the fact that it was a weird gig for me to do anyway, but it was just fun to play. So there's a bunch of musicians on stage. People are coming and going. No one really feels totally comfortable. It's not their usual gig. And I had been up there playing, trying to get through these songs while the different singers came up. And uh, uh, Slash came up. I don't know if anybody here knows Slash, but he's a great guy, amazing guitar player. He's okay. And and he... he... (laughs) He comes up, and he had to fit in real quick, you know, plug in, get a sound, bam, we're, we're playing. And uh, some guys, I'm sure you know this, they have to keep spitting on stage. There are musicians that do that, right? And so I guess Slash is one of them. So I'm getting ready to step up to my Wawa pedal, and just as... There's a big loogie on yeah, there. Yeah, he just turns like he's got, he doesn't know where to spit, because he's, he's not in his usual spot. Yeah. So he just spits, and, and it lands right on top of the Wawa pedal. And I just left it at the theater. I'd, I never touched it. I know I should have saved it maybe and put it in a box or something. Sell it on eBay, right? Yeah. You probably could. Genuine slash loogie. But who knows what it would look like now, right? It's all like. But, um, yeah, I should, but no, I left it. So some lucky person working the theater. Yeah. Maybe slash ticket. I don't know. Maybe he collects. Yeah. His loogies. He,
0: he could make a living doing that, just <laughs> buying a bunch of while was spitting on them and selling them. Yeah.
1: He played great that night. So whatever it is, it's working. So I yeah. don't, don't want to stop yeah, him from yeah. doing that. You know?
0: I remember what it was. It wasn't the New Outsiders. It was a thing called Camp, Camp Freddy. Camp Freddy.
1: That's what it was. Yes. Very weird gig. That's, yeah. You guys know what Camp Freddy is? Yeah. So yeah, it's sort of like a corporate cover band with yeah. famous people in it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Do you know where that name came from, Camp Freddy? No. It was in a movie.
1: Oh.
0: I'll tell you what movie it was in. The Italian Job. Oh, okay. The yeah. original one. The original one, yeah, with yeah. Michael Caine. Yeah. Camp Freddy was uh, Benny Hill. Oh. <laughs> that, and that's where they used the name from. little bit of history for you.
1: <laughs> Benny
0: Hill, yeah. So why would you call your uh, album Shapeshifter?
1: Oh, well, you know, usually when you do a record... You start out and you think, well, okay, I want to do a rock record, a blues record, a reggae record, trans whatever, you know, techno record, something like that. Yeah. And so it's kind of normal, especially when you hook up with your team, your producer, everybody wants to know what's it going to sound like, what's the direction, where are we going, who should we hire, where, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, I, I thought, well, let's just do it the opposite way. I've been writing all these songs and they're kind of all over the place stylistically. And I thought well, it would be cool if I let every song just be itself. And I did the changing from song to song. And I, the more I thought about it, I got closer and closer to writing the title track. And once I wrote that, I thought, okay, this makes sense to me. Now it's sort of like me talking to myself yeah, and and assuring myself I can do this. It's just going to take a lot of work to change my style and to... Learn how to play differently, even though I knew in the end everyone would say, Well, it just sounds like you, yeah. But artistically, it just seemed like I had to go through some metamorphosis for every song that I played. And maybe in the end, it was me allowing myself just to be uh, apply myself more broadly, yeah, uh, stylistically. But it seemed to work, and then this, the, the title had an effect on everyone that I brought into the project because I tell them this story and they go, okay, that means I can change for every yeah thing and I can bring twenty snare drums and five basses yeah. and, and everyone got in the spirit and, yeah. and that helped us produce the record.
0: Cool. We're gonna we're gonna go and play a song right now. I've picked a bunch of songs that are all dedicated to you. <laughs> this one's Hey Joe by Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. And uh, you're listening to Jonesy's jukebox with my guest Joe Satriani. <laughs>
1: K-L-O-S. How you doing? I'm good. I've got my n- newly sanitized uh, windscreen here, so I can s- sound like a DJ now. Yeah,
0: what about me? Am I chop liver? <laughs> oh, mine's already done, right. Sure. Anyway, we might as well talk about it. Everyone is talking about it it's the only thing people are talking about what do you think about it <laughs> <laughs> well I,
1: I requested a new windscreen so I guess you know what I'm thinking about yeah. it yeah uh, uh, you know it's terrible when you uh, when you have to think about your calluses if you play harp or you guitar or any other string instrument you're always worried about your calluses yeah so the washing of the calluses is a very sort of personal and protective thing so when there's scientists on cnn saying you got to wash your hands like every 25 minutes you're like well wait a minute you know how am i going to do that if i'm trying to maintain the perfect callus yeah. so i can play you know a high g on the yeah. Easter. so uh yeah there's a lot of alcohol swabbing going on and also i'll let your minds think about that for a while
0: I didn't want to hear
1: me say that i'm so sorry i said for medicinal
0: but. purpose only yes um, it seems like it's blown out of proportion, mm. you know, and and supposedly the ones that are dropping dead are older men with preconditions. Ah. Uh. <laughs> so I got a reason to be a bit more nervous than younger people, if that's the truth. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't want to go out and live and be a, uh, what do they call it? An alarmist, you know, uh, conspiracy guy. But oh, you, yeah, you know, it could be created this, you know, the AIDS virus. There was talk that that was created to get rid of certain people's junkies, gays. Now they're picking on the old people. Oh God, <laughs> they're old. Who cares? Get rid of them. Let's <laughs> concoct something.
1: Guitar players. Maybe they're after guitar players who uh, don't want to wash their calluses or something. I don't know.
0: I don't know. I,
1: I wouldn't worry about it. No, I mean it's a virus, and Mother Nature just keeps making them. You know, that's just the way that life is, you know. Yeah. You fight. You fight. You...
0: Well, this jacket is actually the virus itself. Oh. <laughs> so nice to
1: see it up close. You know. In person. So that, you know. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm at least three feet away, so I'm safe. I'm safe right here. <laughs> these actually are, these are from me walking down the street and sticking to me. Oh. <laughs> They just missed my face so far, so, so I'm good. <laughs> it is crazy though, man. It is, yeah. I mean, do you remember Y2K? <sighs> mm. Do you remember that? Yeah.
1: We made a special guitar for that. Uh, clear, uh, loose guitar. Beautiful looking guitar. weighed a ton, but sounded great, looked great. And I thought, well, it'd be a great thing to have, you know, start the new millennium with a, with a clear guitar, you know, instead of a color. And uh, so I wasn't worried about, you know, computer viruses or the clock being turned back to whatever, 8,000 BC or something. So,
0: But what was all that about? You know, I went like an idiot. I went to the bank, got 10 grand out, bought a bunch of baked beans <laughs> and a bunch of bullets. <laughs> I spent the 10 grand. I didn't put it back in the bank. Uh, I ate all the beans, obviously. I had all the beans. And I still have the bullets, oh. you know. But like, exactly, that's like another thing that's just—I don't know where they, where this stuff comes up. uh um, you know, where does it come from? It makes you wonder, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's sort of like aliens. You know, they—they—they they, they really don't exist, but we make them up because we're afraid. And so that's just the, our nature as humans is to be afraid. It's a protective, I think, uh, quality that we have in our brains to be afraid of things that might hurt us, but it does kind of run amok, I guess, when we all get together and we start being afraid together, we kind of go overboard with it. Yeah. but um, So
0: you don't think there is aliens? No.
1: No, not that we would recognize. No no, big-headed, small-bodied things. But you,
0: but you surf me. with the aliens.
1: Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in my head I do. I just thought that was a funny idea for a like a bee grade science fiction film you know the only you know the only reason why that record is called surfing with the alien is because i did an early interview with a british journalist who got a pre-release copy of the record and he said i love the record but i hate the title which was lords of karma at the time and he had this thing about guitar players uh he said, how come when guitar players put out these records, they suddenly get all mystical and everything, yeah, you know?
0: What? Lord.
1: And uh, I wasn't about to explain to him that the meaning behind Lords of Karma, whatever. I just thought oh, he didn't get it, so...
0: He obviously don't understand wizardry. No,
1: he doesn't. He, he didn't then and he, I'm sure he doesn't now. So I hung up, I called the record company and I said, hey, have we actually manufactured the record yet? And they said, <laughs> no, no, we're going in like uh, three weeks from now. So I said, well, I told him a story, let's change the title. And on the phone, we just went over the ten tracks. And I got to surfing with the alien and I said, you know, no one's gonna take that seriously. They'll know I have a sense of humor, I'm just kidding. So let's just make that the title. Yeah. And then the conversation after that was that the the guy I was talking to, Jim Kozlowski, he's like six foot four, long platinum blonde hair, happened to have the Silver Surfer as his nickname when he was in radio yeah. in Boston. And he comes out with that story and says, you should put my my guy on the cover, the Silver Surfer. And one thing led to another, and we licensed the image from Marvel. And there you go, all all by accident, all because of that. There you go. Yeah.
0: See? I mean, I wonder, think about it. Here we are. We're in this ball mm-hmm. floating in the middle of nowhere, Right. We're on here, there's other balls flying around. Oh, wait,
1: hold on a second, keep going.
0: So tell me, why do you think there's no one else? There must be someone else. We can't be the only ones. Lower the lights, please. Sound like Hawkwind. He's shapeshifting, folks. (laughs) (laughs) He's doing it. (laughs) We're gonna play. We're gonna play a new track, a track off your new album, Shapeshifting. This one's uh 1990, 80. 1980, yes. Sorry, sorry. Forgive (laughs) thee. We're here with Joe Satriani. Jonesy's jukebox. Take it away. How you doing? With my man, Joe Satriani. We was having a little chat in between playing Mick Ronson. That track was called uh, Angel Number 9. And before that was your song. Let me see if I remember. Hang on. 1980. That's right, yeah. From the album Shapeshifting. That's right, yeah. See? It still works a little bit. Um, is it weird just to do gigs and there's no vocals? It's different. Yeah, when I started uh,
1: as a solo artist, I literally had no idea what to do. And I hadn't thought about it until I got to the gig. And I'm there with uh, Jonathan Mover on drums, amazing drummer, Stuart Ham, the amazing Stuart Ham on bass guitar. And we all kind of looked at each other like, well, what do we do exactly? Because they knew it was a, a rock thing. It was going to be a rock show, but there was no rock singer. So physically, everyone was wondering, do we move around? You know. And I think the first week we were playing places about this big. So luckily, there wasn't a lot of real estate to, to deal with. But at the same time, by the, by the end of the show, I realized I can't just stand here and play because they're not jazz songs or fusion songs or new age songs or whatever. These are just rock songs that uh, come from the same place as Zeppelin and Sabbath and everything else that I grew up listening to. So I've got to act like those guys. I've got to let myself be natural and just do what I would normally do. And so that evolved and I realized it's not easy to do that if you're, you have to really nail it, like every yeah. nuance of the melody and every nuance of the solo because the fans are depending on it, you know. So I've had to figure out a way to make sure that um, I don't act entirely stupid, you know, just to, to entertain, you know, physically, but I have to nail it, you know, I've got yeah. to do it right. So uh, we were talking about, you know, fret sizes and all those yeah. kinds of things just to try to make me. it... <laughs> well, I want to make it easier for me... To, uh, to be totally consistent for the audience because I know they're waiting for this note and that riff and I don't want to blow it because I'm holding my guitar up in the air like a rock star or something like that. So it, it takes a little bit of technical setup and uh, to figure it out, but it is exhausting if you finish a two-and-a-half-hour show and you've played lead guitar extensively on every single song and played every melody. It's uh, it's almost unnatural in a way. Do
0: you play bum notes? Yeah, sure. And what do you do? You beat yourself up afterwards?
1: I wait, and afterwards the rest of the band makes fun of me
0: pretty much. (laughs) Does it it drive you nuts though? For days, for days. Oh, man.
1: I think about, you know, yeah. And it's always the, it's never the show that doesn't matter. It's always the show that matters. And and sometimes it's, you know, you you don't have an excuse. Like you just screwed up. That's all there is to it. But then sometimes you want to say, hey, it wasn't my fault, you know? And I was just thinking the other day about, uh, I was doing The Tonight Show a while back, a Jimmy Fallon show, and the guy was having a problem putting the lav mic on my lapel, and he said, Jimmy might want to talk to you, you know? I said, fine, and it keeps falling off, and I'm telling him this thing's not working. So he comes out just like a minute before we start, and he says, oh, this'll do it. And I'm thinking, okay, fine. And I think I have you know, a minute. And then all of a sudden I hear Questlove in, in my ears saying, we're going right now, one, two, three, go. And I go down to, you know, turn my volume yeah. on, the lav mic falls off and falls right in between the strings. That's oh, no. like, does like one of those things. And I'm looking down and I, I look up, the, the band faces this way, the cameras are there, and the audience is to your left, right? So I look up and I see the camera is way at the top. And I'm thinking, I've got two seconds. You got it. I gotta fix this, right? So I'm there, like doing this, and I'm, you know, I'm hearing, da, 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 you know, da, 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 and I'm putting this thing back on, and I think I did it. Got through the show, go back to the hotel, and watch the show oh. later that night. And sure enough, the camera comes right in on old Joe, and there I am, like <laughs> doing this. <laughs> look, <laughs> the deer in the headlights. Like it's not cameras, not on me, is it? You know. Yeah. So. I don't know whose well, fault worse. that was, but it could be worse. It's just those things happen. you know. Next
0: time you make some, like, when you're planning, you make some bum notes, just turn around and blame the guitar tech.
1: That's right, yeah. Or you just look at the bass player I just, immediately. That's
0: what you're doing with thinking.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or you just play it again and you go, yeah, I meant to do that. Yeah. 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 Dig, dig this note. Here it comes again.
0: Yeah, because it's for the live <laughs> album. Um, what do you think some people like let's say let's say just me for instance i play guitar i'm technically nowhere near as like virtuoso as you what makes some people like can you know play uh, like you know you got to remember what you're doing a thousand notes a minute you know mm. i can do 10 a minute <laughs> you know what what do you think that is what do you think that is in the brain that does that Like Keith Richards, he can't play lead. Great, yeah. You know, but but he's great rhythm. Plays memorable stuff, though. Of course, but what is it like? Did you learn when you was before you were born? You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you put like thousand hours in when you was a teenager?
1: Yeah, yeah. I practiced like crazy.
0: But I still think there's something in, in certain people's brains, even though you you can, you know, learn when you're five and you play in your bedroom for hours and hours. I still think it's more than just practice. I still think there's a mental thing where you're quicker in the brain. Oh, yeah. You well, there's certainly, you know, I mean, we call it talent.
1: It's it's, it's, it's kind of a vague word, doesn't really mean very much, but uh, I, certainly uh, there are physical and uh, mental, intellectual attributes that all of us come are gifted, you know, in our genes by our parents, and yeah. what we do with them is is entirely different. And certainly, there are geniuses out there who, you know, self-destruct on the way to the stage y- yeah. and can't even show people how good they are. Yeah. And then there are people with half the talent who have no problem getting up in front of a crowd of a million people and just play what they know how to play. So it's it's so varied, it's so jumbled up, talent and ability sure. and and sociability. Sure. And all that. it's really hard to put a but i was uh, just i'm just uh, thinking
0: of the actual physical thing of people's heads mm. and what they actually get out of their head onto yeah. a guitar that's a tough one i mean it is. i
1: taught guitar for many years and i saw uh, kids uh, sit across from me that were just a f- you know few years younger who were just brilliant physically i'm mean, just physically yeah. gifted Yeah, big hands quick hands great hand eye coordination but they would be almost tone deaf yeah or their yeah, sensibility yeah. for for you know, looking out, let's say, into this audience and playing just the right way for this afternoon yeah. was something they couldn't figure out. They yeah. just didn't have the empathy or, or they couldn't plug into an audience, but they knew how to just play. And then you'd find people with hardly any talent for moving around the fretboard quickly, but they could walk into a room and they can make everybody feel great yeah. with just playing a couple of chords. Yeah, yeah, it didn't yeah. matter. So what's more valuable? Are I, w- you, are I would you, say the latter, you know? Well,
0: you know, both. But are you in uh, the Rolling Stones' top 100? No, thank God they left me out of that I'm one. in 97. There you go. Congratulations. I beat this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but see, well, there you go. I mean, as far as, what, 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 what are they voting on? Obviously not technical ability. It's it's social what they like. Whatever it is, you know. Yes, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well it's you know, it's a perfect example of if you're basing your the energy that you need to practice the next day on on what somebody told you out in the parking lot or what you read on social media, yeah. um, you're not gonna you're not gonna get it to the end of the week. Yeah. I mean, because there's always someone Who likes you too much and makes you feel so good you won't practice because you think, well, I don't need to practice. Or someone who says you're worthless and then you'll feel so horrible you'll never practice again (laughs) because you think it's pointless. So it's best just to go on, you know, just keep that out of your mind. Don't work off of those comments for validation or polls or anything like that. Yeah.
0: You know, I practice quite a lot, but I'd never get any better.
1: Well, you know, maybe
0: in lead wise. I mean, well yeah, maybe in ways
1: that that you're trying to achieve, you don't, but the thing that I think the audience picks up on uh, is is a kind of a quality that you and I as players might be a little bit immune to. Like we really can't judge our style or what it is that we're throwing out there. You and I are thinking about picks and strings and the timing and do I, do I remember how this goes and all that kind of stuff and playing with the band. Meanwhile, they're receiving all of this information, but it's, it's actually not something we're feeling, because we're here, we're on this side of the, yeah. the stage. You know what I mean? And, and uh, so I wouldn't worry about it. I just It's better...
0: I'm you, not worried about it. Good. <laughs> we're going to play uh, Lou Reed, Walk on the Wild Side. The reason we're playing this is because halfway through, he says, hey, Joe again. Yeah. And uh, we're here with Joe Satriani, Jones's jukebox. We'll see you in a minute.
1: <laughs> bye, bye. KLOS.
0: Hello. Here we are with Joe. Did you hear your name check in that song? Uh, yeah. Hey, Joe. Yeah. Take a walk on the, on the wild, wild side, side, baby. Yeah. Anyway. We've got a few minutes left. And uh do you have you always played Ibanez guitars? I love these guitars. Uh over thirty years.
1: Uh, they have been making the JS model for me with all the special things I love about it. Is and that your model? Yes it is. Yeah, we've got oh boy. Mike's here in the audience, he could tell how many different models we've put out. You still here, Mike? Yeah. How many have we done? A lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot. Okay. That's a big number, a lot, but yeah. So uh, what is
0: that one pickup in the front? This thing here is a
1: sustainiac pickup, and it's remember we were talking about Robert Fripp before, and he used to yeah. use an ebow. Yeah. Well, these guys figured out a way to get the Ebo in the guitar, and it functions uh, as a normal uh, neck pickup sound um, when you're not using it. But then when you engage it, you can get this infinite sustain thing to happen.
0: Hey, forget about it. (laughs) Thanks for coming Joe. Thank you so much for having me. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for all the audience for showing up live here at the Viper Room. We'll see you soon. See you later. Thank you.